0: Well, thank you, Brandy. Um, trying to think of how long we've known each other. I know our kids go to the same school,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is pretty cool. Uh, but I think I knew you before we found that out.
2: Yes. So we met, think through, Holly and Michael.
0: Yeah. And then. Uh, and then we found out that our kids were in the same class it was really weird because it's
2: when you sent out christmas cards
1: oh,
0: and
2: then my son goes why is there a picture of tessa on our?" <laughs> <laughs> and i go <clears throat> wait you know her
0: <laughs> yeah that's so cool that's funny yeah uh one of the there's a lot of reasons why i wanted to invite you into the building forth podcast um and one of the reasons is because you're doing something that I try to do as well, and it's not easy to do. Um, but try to live this both and experience with this as much integrity and, and fullness as possible. Um, so I'm going to speak a little bit to myself on what I mean by the full the both and experience, and see how that lands with you. But uh, both and in my Uh, experience is, which is something I often tell my clients too at the very beginning of our, our, the very first session, is that I myself am both broken and whole. holding those paradoxes together. Um, My own history of uh, struggles with um, certain mental illnesses and treatments that have brought me to a place of um, intense self-awareness where it's not the absence of those uh, intensity for for me, for example, of anxiety, but rather it's the processing of as it comes in, learning how to process it in real time, recognizing its presence, um, learning to live in that balance. Again, having it be a tool and teacher of mine, of mine, that way I can offer my clients, I hope, somebody who walks with them in solidarity, not ahead of them, and not, not behind them, but beside them uh, in a way that is healing for them. I'm offering my brokenness and wholeness to them, and they are also broken, and I remind them also that they're whole and how to live into that wholeness. Uh, so that's one area of the bull band. Another area is we're both very spiritual. We both have some level of a faith of origin of Christianity and then have uh, moved into a a depth that encompasses inter-spirituality that is feeding, that is very nourishing, and it's expansive and comprehensive. And uh, I know I have become aware of the the very real reality of multidimensional existence. So when I'm with somebody um, as a client in front of me, I'm not just aware of their physical presence, but there's, as, there's multidimensional aspects of me that's also engaging in multidimensional aspects of them, even across time. Uh, and I'm becoming more and more aware of all the different aspects that are connecting with them and bringing that into a focus when we're talking in the physical realm. Uh, so there's healing that happens, I hope, uh, at different levels. And then lastly, the the both and piece um, is we both are really touched by the collective angst that's going on, especially in our state of Texas, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and how do we manage our own engagement with the collective energy in a way that keeps us, that we're finding balance so we can offer our clients some sort of calm in the midst of the maelstrom that's happening energetically. How does how do those three kinds of ways of both end land with you?
2: Well, I would say right in the midst of what feels like chaos and people's people feeling like their rights have been stripped away.
1: <clears throat>
2: um, it, I mean, I was doing trauma therapy on myself so that I could hold space because, um, you know, through my own mental health struggle, it's like I learned that avoidance was my top coping skill, and that was not getting me anywhere. It creates like this illusion of um standing still while while everyone else and everything is marching onward and. So learning to step outside of avoidance and embrace um, emotions and thoughts and the human experience as though it is precious and divine, <clears throat> sorry, but that was really transformational and through the process of therapy, through the process of spiritual growth, um, <clears throat> my life reached a level of joy and empowerment. and other things that I didn't think were possible. Um, But life is complicated, right? And as an empath, the energy in the world just, especially as COVID, the pandemic began, it was just so intense and you can feel all the fluctuations and then you get to see it one-on-one, both within your family or your friends and then clients. It became really, um, intense, like the intensity, the polarity, it was just very dramatic. So, yeah, finding um, coping skills and using really advanced um, spiritual techniques and therapy techniques. I think yesterday I actually did trauma therapy on myself and was able to get really grounded. And then, like magic, bigger things opened up this morning. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh.
0: Well, that was a nice little uh, invitation for me to jump right on in. (laughs) Would you mind sort of, could you give us a little bit of what that looked like? What was the trauma technique that you used that opened it up and then some of your experiences today?
2: Well, I kind of went through and I acknowledged all the different parts of myself. So the part of myself that was really struggling um, was the classic helplessness, regression. So I think with a lot of women and men that I work with, one of their top most difficult things to feel in the midst of a trauma response is to feel trapped. And so that's that's one of the most intense experiences because I think the theory behind it is we regress into a state, like a time in our life when we really were trapped, we didn't have decisions uh, if you know other people really did have control over our life, whether that's childhood or another traumatic experience, there's a regression that happens because all our neural pathways related to feeling trapped are linked to all the different experiences, and so we gr- regress into that state. So I had to acknowledge that that state was coming up for me, um, and then I did a trauma technique to help my empowered self give my. <coughs> Trapped self, its skills, if that makes sense.
0: Was it just skills or, okay, was it both skills and a certain energy yeah. flux or flow? It's, Could you feel that? It's <clears throat> all of
2: it together. Okay. So it's like it was so interesting because you look straight forward to the right and then to the left as light is. Pulsating through your eyeballs.
0: And what color light is coming in for you?
2: For me, I needed to do red and yellow.
0: Is this something you? Add? Okay, okay. So you're doing ETT,
2: mm-hmm. uh, which is yeah, a emotional ETT.
0: transformation therapy. Emotional transformation therapy, which was uh, developed by whom again? Stephen
2: Vasquez, Dr. Do- Stephen Vasquez. In
0: Austin, mm-hmm. Texas, yes. And yeah. um, I'm going to put a link uh, to ETT because people might be interested in that. I, I know it's a pretty cool. Uh, Mm avant-garde sort of therapy that really works. So anyways, you're staring into a box that is giving you literally the colors. Literally
2: the color yellow light. Yellow Mm -hmm. light is coming through the box into my eyeballs and you've got a flicker rate for brain entrainment, so the certain frequency where I felt most entrapped, I'm going to work with that. Um, And then using similar to EMDR, you have the right and left hemisphere, but with ETT you can also do above and below which is really interesting because it has like a multidimensional feel.
0: Mm.
2: I mean, I just found the area where I could feel empowerment energy. I could really almost get a visual of uh, source light just pouring through and rippling through the world.
0: What was the color of source light for you?
2: Uh, All the colors.
0: Oh, beautiful. Okay.
2: Um, Which appears white light. Yeah. Um, and then I transpose that position onto the disempowered position um, and then multiple other positions so you're really messing with your narrow pathways and potentially messing with the chakras and yeah. and and um, helping expand the positive resource in those other areas um, and at the same time acknowledging the parts of self so my helpless self with my empowered self
0: uh-huh. and when you're giving this energy into the helpless self. Um, do you name them as helpless self or power self, or is it just a sense of feel, like a subjective feel?
2: Yeah, it's very subjective, what each person <clears throat> needs, what what resonates with them. Um, for me, it's definitely different parts of self, different layers of self. Sometimes my higher self will come through. Sometimes it's child parts of itself sometimes Mm. and really with this one it was the inner teenager
0: the inner teenager just
2: like wanting to put her arms up and say it isn't fair
0: fair.
2: screw all of you (laughs) so
0: okay uh and then can you feel in the chakra you brought up the energy centers can you feel an unblocking as that starts that energy the empowered energy moves in is there an unblocking that happens that you feel or
2: yeah, often you can feel lightning in a certain area, mm. and it's not necessarily connected with the exact chakra you would expect because, what, there's 108 or 115 chakras.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's
2: a lot, I'm sure. There's a lot. So, But as an empath, I can actually physically feel the energy moving through, and I can feel it pulsating, and I feel that with my clients too, and wow. I can feel when they're really moving strong energy, and then I can feel when it's really not moving as much Mm -hmm. and i'm like let me check in with you are you dissociated? yeah it's really cool though to be able to feel it and know if the if my client is stuck and if they're not Mm -hmm. because sometimes when the emotions are really big people lose their words um i have clients who um We'll get really overwhelmed. Um, and it's always a process, uh, which I learned this from ETT, but I also learned it spiritually of like, I call it like the infinity of just gently moving into the feeling, activating it, and then grounding to the present moment, grounding mm-hmm. to your positive resources, grounding to the colors around you, the sounds around you, getting back to the space that you're in and just doing that back and forth dance kind of gently. Some people need it much more gently than others. Some people don't need as much grounding. So it just depends on the person.
0: And that's cool because that builds the muscle of being able to not only uh, deal with past stuff that's happened to them when they're on their own, it builds the muscle of learning how to bring in the present and the grounded in the groundedness sense. But and then going few, the going on in their life, um, maybe anything that's emotional or any kind of just daily living, you can learn how to take what's coming in and then still remain grounded. So it's really building that muscle, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And the muscle to be able to connect with the grounded kind of Gaia-centered, calm energy and connect with higher realms at the same time, and be able to kind of balance the two of those. Because I've had clients really getting lost in one or the other.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. I that's one of the reasons why I love talking to you, and because you and I are colleagues too. So we meet once a month and talk um, about our cases and to support each other and being the best healers we can in any cases that are difficult for us. And we. Uh, Pick each other's brains, but you, your way, uh, your experience as a therapist, and your way of dealing with it um, really helps me in my work. So I'm always so appreciative of our connecting.
1: I feel the same way.
0: <laughs> Thanks. One of the things that I do um, when I'm with clients is I've learned to trust my intuition. Some of these are cosmic downloads that I'm getting but it's this weird balance for me. Uh, Obviously, I can't speak for anybody else who does this kind of intuitive work, but I also know that I'm very liable to bring in what I think are cosmic downloads, and then truly my own issues or filters, and and then um, I'm not really helping the client, I'm, I'm sort of dealing with my own blockage. So I have to be very careful of trusting my intuition while at the same time holding it somewhat lightly. Which for me, when I have that balance, it actually helps me to pick out what's mine and what's not. Um, it's a weird thing that I've had to do myself. But when I, with certain people, it happens a lot actually, I almost get, well, I, I guess I do get downloads of maybe even some of their past lives, as well as life in between lives. In other words, the life in time space or in the astral before coming in, and even some of the um, uh, contracts or some of the plans that they made for this life. And those kind of come, sometimes they're images, sometimes they're just conceptual energies that aren't images, but more um, sentient, clairsentient type uh, reception. Um, And when they're talking because you'd said something earlier is that you can tell when someone's stuck and it's it really does feel like an energetic stuckness like you can see where they've come to an end of a, an end of a sentence or some area that's a pitfall and they don't know how to get out of that particular thing and i experience that as, as almost a condensation into a blackness or a black hole or something there's a trapness there and often how i perceive it on my end is that Somewhere on the aura of their body, I can perceive where that stuckness is, is happening, and what I try to do, and some of my clients will attest, is I'll say, "Okay, stop, right, right, stop right there." Okay, so then I almost like take the, a tab, <laughs> you know, on a computer you can widen the screen by two fingers and then widen it up. Like that's what I just like stop. Okay, and then I'll just tap, yeah, <laughs> almost on yeah. the part of the energetic body that I see it on. And then I widen oh, not? So tell me about that right there. Where do you where, where do, you, do you, sense any pressure? If if you could locate the energy issue that you have right now, if you could locate it on your body, where is it living right now? They almost always have an answer. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't believe or understand, they almost like, you know, I feel it kind of down here to my left on my hip. Uh, and I'll say, now if, if you could give it a color, what would it be? Don't think about it. What would the color be? You know, that kind of thing. And it's... It's amazing because I'll be seeing the same thing before they say that. And then we talk about what is that actually doing, that energy? What is it actually? What's its purpose? Sometimes I'll even bring them in dialogue with that energy. Um, Not in the sense of get thee behind me Satan kind of thing, but in the sense of, well, what are you teaching me here? What's the purpose? When did you come in?
2: Because it could be a defense mechanism that has served them well for
1: a long time and is currently getting in the way.
0: Perfectly said and that's why we I try to teach them uh, Gratitude, you know an attitude of gratitude even with those blockages because that's we don't want to bring in net, uh, Sort of conflictual bellicose energy into in the spirit of getting them out You <laughs> said bring in gratitude or at least this is how I work. I bring in gratitude um, But then I no longer need you and so you can kind of gently process those those through that's just one way I um, as really you were cool. talking, it brings, brings to mind. Yeah.
2: I like that a lot. Yeah, dissociation is complicated because you can see when people check out, sometimes they'll talk through it, sometimes their jaw will clench, like anything to block the intensity of the feeling. But with dissociation, it's like their brain is like, I'm not going there. But energy is neither created nor destroyed. So it's still stored up in their central nervous system. And anytime something similar comes up, up for them, you know, it's like they're either going to dissociate again, uh, again or it comes out as fight or flight, or freeze is so complica- complicated. What is it? Those Swedish scientists could only boil it down to 13 different responses of freeze,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah, helping them navigate that blockage, um, in a way that honors them, uh. Like you were saying, and making sure we're not transposing our mm-hmm. desire for them to be well, or the speed at which we would like to mm-hmm. work
0: onto yeah.
2: them, it has to be uh, like a sacred partnership between right. me and the client.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's such a good point. Um, there are times when we both identify a certain thing, and then they would say, "I'm not ready yet," and then we just close the tab and move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely. Pacing is so important and having a client dictate that pace. Huh? Yeah.
2: And often, sometimes the client will be like, I want it gone, I want it gone, I want it gone. But it's like, I like that you slow them down and it's like, well, let's look at the purpose this this is
1: serving.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if we don't learn the catalysts, we repeat them, huh? Yeah. It seems like that's a a cosmic law is karma, perhaps, Uh, we're invited to repeat the lessons, even if the lessons are uh, on the surface coming to us in different ways, the undercurrent, the the essence of the lesson gets packaged up and repeated until we kind of learn it. Is that your experience?
2: Yeah. And some people picture that as the spiral staircase because we expect progress to go from zero to a hundred, like I've learned it, I'm done, close the book, put it down. I don't have to ever deal with it again. That's not really how it usually works. Usually it's, we make progress, we gain resources and understanding and wisdom and coping skills. And then we walk further up the staircase and we're like, how is this happening again? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But we don't don't recognize that we're making incredible progress with this thing and that um, we're etching away. And um, because I always tell my clients, no matter how healed you become, feelings are gonna still still feel Always. like feelings. Yeah. Sadness is still gonna feel like sadness. Yes. Um, you know, desperation is still gonna feel like desperation. That's right. Um loneliness, that's a big one. Yes. Loneliness is still going to be an experience that you have. Yes. Like, and when you feel those feelings sometimes it's linked within your neural pathways. Oh, I'm back where I was right. twenty years ago. No, you're not.
0: Yep. Because then the anxiety gets worse. Like, oh, I haven't done, I haven't moved at all. I haven't progressed. You know, that's the anxiety, which is really not true.
2: Right, and I think it's so important that we remember what we've learned, that that what showed up, what we have begun to let go, um, because just like we're seeing in the external atmosphere, if we try to erase history. Then we repeat it. Well,
0: that's that's where I wanted to go because that that is exactly my understanding right now too. Is um, this sense in the collective humanity, you know, the co- the collective humanity uh, in in the West? Um, I mean, perhaps all over the world, but our, our particular geographical experience is Texas, um, the Dallas area, um, in the United States, but also the United States as a country in general. Um, And this collective confluence of energies that's happening right now that is breathtaking when you're an empath and it hits you like a tsunami i mean and it is not gentle it is coming at you at a 100 miles an hour and it's way taller than you um how to hold space for that because as you said we don't want to what was the what was the difference mechanism that you moved into the
2: spiritual bypass
0: yeah but you had said it earlier at the very beginning when you talked about like in, you don't engage with it at all you just kind of
2: It'll come to me. Yeah, sorry. I I <laughs> it was beautiful.
0: But you, you said you don't engage with it. And, and so you have learned to stand there and let it crash upon oh, you. Avoidance. avoidance. Thank you. Oh,
2: yeah. It's the top coping skill most of my clients come through the door with.
0: Yeah, so. that's okay. Uh, and so the um, Okay, the tsunami that's coming in and then crashing, and then you've learned to not avoid it, but rather embrace it, let it go through you in some ways. Boy, is that hard to do. And I know for me, um, I'm just gonna speak to my own personal struggles with this one, what's going on. And and As you rightly say, it was, well, for me, it was really kind of beginning in 2016, Um, and then with, and then 2020, and then now. Those were the big areas where I felt um, a lot of psychic pain,
1: emotional pain.
0: And in my own family of origin, I, I have people within my family who would have the exact opposite feelings that I would be feeling, where I felt a sense of anxiety and being stifled, um, they felt a freedom. Mm-hmm. And how do you maintain a, a healthy relationship with somebody who is real happy? For example, that um, a certain president now is making certain waves and happiness, and uh, I mean not happiness, but like chaos. You know, in on in purpose. Right. Like how do you when you have family members that are just this is equivalent to Jesus Christ coming back, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. Whereas I see it as the two steps back before you can have the three steps forward. Or, for example, um, right now, family members, uh, acquaintances, friends, people that I worship with, and and certain clients, will literally view the Supreme Court's decision about Roe v. Wade and then now even the prospect of rolling back LGBTQ rights um, yeah. and contraception and all of all of these things that were, we're hard thought and won. Removing
2: the word slavery from textbooks, <clears throat> my BIPOC clients were having to process the trauma around that yesterday.
0: I have these people in my life that really feel my side is winning. That my my Jesus is finally coming. That all of the all of the good things finally are coming to fruition after all of the prayers and protests and all of this. That is actually a sign of the victory of God. Um, and and so there's a jubilation. They're 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 living in the resurrection. You know they've been crucified for years upon sadness and now this is their victory whereas i'm on the i'm feeling that again we're not moving forward now maybe because i don't i have a limited space maybe this is the actual step the two steps back is necessary so that you can spring the next three steps forward i mean that that is what i
2: always hold on to
0: yeah me to the hope Mm -hmm. talk to me more about that
2: absolutely that i mean you can live life with certain assumptions underscoring all your emotional and um, physical experiences and one of the assumptions that I live with that hasn't um, done me wrong so far is just that I don't have the full picture and God's always working for the highest and best good of all involved. And I may not be privy to that information.
0: And you may never know. Uh, Isn't that called hope? Faith, or how would you define that?
1: Yeah, I guess it would be hope and faith yeah. and trust and trust. Yeah,
2: although faith, I guess, encompasses trust, but it's like on a personal level too, mm-hmm. rather than like the macrocosm. It's it's very I have a very personal relationship with with source with God and with um, all you know, the beings and, and frequencies in the subtle realms, and we're all working together.
0: Yeah, a sense of teamwork,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that your job is to be incarnated here, to not know the picture, and then with that, st- have still have faith that it's you're a part of the part of macro that's moving the, a goodness, that it's part of the ultimate plan of God at the highest good. Is that how you're saying?
1: Yeah.
2: Absolutely, and that oppression will not win.
0: Because love <laughs> is wins. a little
2: biased, but right. I don't think oppression will win, and yeah. I may not know what exactly what that will look like. Yep. But I know that the tendency is when you're right in the midst of the oppressive energy and you see people celebrating and you see, wow, they really think they are saved. They think the world is saved. Um, to be able to step back and have space for that opposition within you can mm-hmm. be really challenging unless you really work through all the other parts of you that want to rear up against it.
0: Perfectly said. I think that's also exactly what's happening on the macro. And what do you do inside you with the parts that want to rise up against it to have this conflictual energy inside you and you're the compassionate witness that's watching it happen. Because part of inner work is to detach from the actual conflict, allow the conflict to happen in a sense, but be detached, watch it, and then somehow help it resolve. So what do you do when you see that the parts of you that want to resist? What do you do inside?
2: Well, I just notice when there's an inner persecutor wanting to attack or if Mm. I'm doing and behaving in ways or desiring to behave in ways that are outside of my value system and what's in alignment with me and my spirit. And so just trying to consciously be in the moment and make space for those parts, but not let them run the show because absolutely, I think we need to rise up. So maybe that was the wrong words, but um, to become a persecutor, no.
0: That right there is where I want to go because that's ex- I, I absolutely agree with you. I think if you rise up and remain grounded mm-hmm. and have the hope, faith, and for me the word faith equals hope plus trust. I mean, it's I know it's,
2: that makes sense.
0: It's a very left brain way to think of it, but in some ways, if I can understand hope plus trust, which are intersecting, interpenetrating concepts. I mean, they're kind of concepts on their own, but they're interpenetrating. You know, hope plus trust equals for me. concept of faith. Uh, So when I have the faith of a goodness that love wins, that unity wins, is only unity. Not uniformity. There's a difference. A lot of people, I think, uh, would see uniformity or unity as defined as uniformity, that we're all need to be thinking this one thing because God is this exact way and wants it exactly like this. Rather, I think unity is diversity, which is honored, maintained, and protected by love, that it's all contained and held together in love, through love, by love, as love, and all of it together, working together, is unity. Um, So when I can hold faith for that kind of unity and know that I am part of an incarnated experience that helps steward the unity, steward what seems to be broken here into this unity then i can engage with whatever conflict i see out there but i'm not going to be um well at least for me having my identity be fully defined as needing to win
1: right
2: It's really interesting too because I've learned a lot about myself and watched my clients as well. I learned a ton from them, but just that anger is absolutely a useful tool, but it has to be within the right range because anger is within the right range, range. Mm -hmm. Talk
0: to us about that. That's that's really good.
2: Well, you know, within the trauma hierarchy, you have to get up out of freeze. you have to um, get out of flight and then you come into the space of anger and anger can be a real catalyst. Um, to help you take actionable steps towards empowering yourself within any given situation, even in the most ridiculous, horrible, horrific situations I've seen my clients in, that if they can get to that stage where they're real uncomfortable, where they're angry, but not too angry, because it's like, I don't know if we saw the emotional thermometer, if it's five or above, at that point, you're not really acting in alignment with yourself because other things are taking over.
0: Um, all right, we're going to be doing some tangents. As you and I both have ADHD. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> so uh, we're going to honor that neurodiversity that we have, and because I want to go into a direction right there as part of a new tab and a new screen. <laughs> um, what do you do personally, and or when you're with clients who they have? manage to skirt around the, the, I call it the red hole, but are the black hole of, of becoming anger level five or whatever you just said, um, because there's a certain kind of way that when you get, when I get sucked into, I see it as an event horizon of the black hole. And then you can't, when you cross over that, you, you <laughs> then we become identified with the emotion mm-hmm. instead, instead of instead of I have anger, it's I am angry. Right. And instead of I have anxiety, it's I am anxious. We become one in the same fused with that. And, uh, I think Eckhart Tolle calls it the pain body. It's the sense of the pain body, a possession, almost a possession that possesses you
1: mm-hmm.
0: metaphysically. We can even talk about it as a thought form that comes in that, does possess us in a way. And so when a person is possessed by the pain body in the thought form or at level five, um, what can you do when you're already there?
2: Well, I'm going to talk in a very grounded way yeah. and not metaphysically and just say that there are hormones that and, and uh, neurochemicals that are then pumping through the body that you really need to get out of your system in order to get to the space where you can begin to get back to yourself. Mm. So I'll tell people to do something with it, scream into a pillow, take a, Um, Ziploc bag put ice cubes in it and stomp on it like whatever feels good and doesn't harm you or other people To and they'll find that that burns through those chemicals pretty quickly and then they can get back to themselves or if you look at emotional transformation therapy you yell and then you take a deep breath and then you yell and you take a deep breath so again it's with that allowing the emotion grounding to the present moment allowing the emotion grounding to the present moment and often uh the anchor's transmuted pretty quickly into something much more usable where you can decide what's in alignment with me. What do I want to do now? Do I want to march? Do I want to talk to allies? Do it? you know, what feels right to me in this situation because I'm no longer possessed by the, the anger and now it's
1: usable.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, sounds like that's going to be something I'm going to put in my toolbox as a counselor there's a couple things that i do uh, with myself but also with people and um one of the things that i do is i I, we talk about if you're already in the black hole or whatever of the anger and you've identified yourself i've identified myself as i am this and it's it, it there's no resistance at that point i mean you so any trying to resist being angry or just that the attempts of skirting around the black hole um, and having some sense of agency around the black hole is gone because you're in it. So when that happens, then I just fully surrender into the fact that at this exact moment I'm in the black hole, I'm going to feel the anger, it's absolutely there for me. Um, and all I can do at this point is I guess some of the ACT stuff uh, is defuse. Work on this diffusion of um, the thought and the feeling, mm-hmm. the identity and uh, the feeling, and um, and it's all premise upon acceptance, accepting that it's there, and so then what I try to say to people is, it's not that you're not going to feel that; it's just that it's going to be reduced in duration and in intensity, so turning down the volume from nine to four and you can work with four Uh, and so there's certain exercises that i might exercises emotional exercises that i might lead them on like and often it's it's trance work and that kind of thing but i I like what you're saying too it's the physicality bringing your bodies into it and then doing something with
2: that right and you don't always have to do that with other emotions but with anger in particular it's really necessary almost for the physicality of it or um, some kind of yelling, or uh, yeah, it there's a lot of physicality specifically with anger.
0: Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's and usually we associate anger with like the color red. Do you, do you do that at all? Or
2: in emotional transformation therapy, it comes from the solar plexus, uh-huh. and it's typically yellow.
0: Yellow, mm-hmm. okay,
2: it's yellow. Yellow is, is also the same color where we feel trapped and powerless because as you know anger is complex and um sometimes sometimes anger is like someone has stepped on my values they've stepped on my rights it's out of alignment with me other times anger is i feel powerless i feel trapped uh you know i'm trying to regain control
0: yeah
2: um and so it's all in the same spectrum
0: Well, what does it look like then to take anger and move it into the green ray of the heart or more uh, what's called um, love and understanding? What is it? I don't know what that looks like for ETT.
2: Uh, Well, I think what usually happens when people work through their anger is then almost like very frequently it turns into sadness. Yes. So often.
0: Wasn't it sadness always? I mean, in some ways, wasn't it sadness? And yeah, it there's
2: often underneath anger a deep,
0: deep hurt. Right. That's what I say. But
2: anger it. is easier to feel. It's exactly. more physical. Um, it's not as vulnerable almost yeah. as sadness is.
0: Yeah. Boy, that is so true. And uh, in my office, I have um, always at the ready the picture of the iceberg. And what I usually say is if you can picture the water level and just a little bit above. The water is the conscious level that's sticking above the water. But I always point to the bottom. And I say that um, right below the water level, uh, underneath the water, is the subconscious. And then below that are the different layers of unconscious. And the subconscious usually are are things that we know are there. We remember absolutely we even know that it's likely dictating our conscious, but we're not ready or not able to deal with it. Right. But it's right there. We know it's there. Okay. This did happen to me. Uh, then the unconscious is often areas where we literally don't know yet, especially at the very bottom. And what I usually find is that at at maybe not the exact bottom down here, but just somewhere right above the bottom, uh, it's it's deep grief. It's a grief that is, if you touched it, it would be cry for days, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then as it bubbles up into the conscious, it starts to move in that direction at least, it does morph into anger. And when a person doesn't, when they deal with the anger, that can be real helpful, but it's still not the source of the anger. You to go a little bit deeper and recognize that. Is that your experience?
2: Yeah, that's often my experience. They're going to work through solar plexus into the heart chakra and then that creative energy into the throat chakra. Maybe their voice has been stifled. Maybe they have, they can use their spiritual gifts to empower whatever's going on both in their external and internal world.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, that that's my experience too. So what do we do when we're trying to, because there's gonna be a lot of people Um, who might listen to this, who would identify themselves as uh, expansive spiritual seekers, you know, not of uh, rigid rigid doctrine or dogma of one particular lens, and feeling empathic, this sense of spirituality and empathy and able to um, feel energies and right now, a lot of them are really struggling with that. Right. It's bringing up Absolutely. their own trauma that they thought they dealt with. Uh, and it's coming up in full force. So now you have trauma out there matched with the trauma inside. What the hell do you do? <laughs> right. So how, what have you been helping people? What what is, what is some of the things that you're doing?
2: Well, first, we're, connection helps so much. So connecting with someone who will resonate with your pain and... and has worked on themselves and can resonate with the healing around it too, rather than just inciting you into more anger and helplessness.
0: So you're normalizing, you're validating.
2: Normalizing, validating, connecting. Um, And sometimes it's really magical, like a client who was so distraught and just was really falling into that helplessness void and really overwhelming and then Connected with some other people going through the same thing and found herself giving all of them hope oh. like I'm here with you I support you. I stand next to you people are telling you you're going to help, but I'm here with you and I believe you're not Yeah, you know and then ended up feeling empowered and just connecting and um, supporting each other
0: Well, isn't it a spiritual truth? I mean, it's almost a cosmic law that it is in giving that we receive mm-hmm. it's like you give it away in order to keep it
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, people really knowing when they need to step back from social media, step back from the people in their lives that are going through this intensely, just really being attuned to yourself, really practicing kindness and compassion with yourself. And it may be an inconvenient day to step back, but if your central nervous system and your emotions are letting you know, like, this is too much, honor it 100%. Um, And then when your spirit is calling you to use your voice, do it.
0: That's just well said. Um, I'm thinking of people will often come to me and say they don't, they're, they're in a rut. They don't know how to get out of a certain kind of way to be. And a lot of it might be eventually they learn that they have been so hard on themselves, that they don't know what self-compassion looks like. Well, maybe they've even been taught that that's a sinful thing or somehow negative, they picked up that childhood message for whatever reasons. Um, and when they can learn how to honor their own need for the both and, in other words, uh both you can be gentle with yourself self-compassionate pull away breathe and engage at a time that is appropriate for you is the great work for them
2: absolutely because you can both be gentle and compassionate with yourself and be empowered and strong and resilient in the world at the same time
0: and that At the same time, that both-and message is not modeled in our world except for wisdom traditions in some way, uh, or people are trying to to steward these wisdom traditions and translate them in, in ways that people can understand.
2: Right. And a good indicator for me, like a litmus test, is when I notice that I'm falling into the political polarity. and losing sight of compassion for people on who see themselves on the other side mm-hmm. of the issue, then I know, okay, I'm out of alignment. I've got to look at the parts yeah. of self. I've got to honor what's showing up for me and take a step back until I can kind of get my bearings.
0: I'm so glad you said that. I think that that is not only true for me, but I think that that is, the, that is what we need to do. <laughs> like that's the way through this people that's the way through uh the macro is not going to be changed without the micro you and me working on our inner cells and then reengaging because then the macro starts to take on the character of the micro cuz we are the creator of the macro is that not true right and um <clears throat> What what has been true for me over and over again, and I don't know when I'm going to learn this lesson so that it's automatic. But it seems like it's just what I've got to do right now. I it probably uh, it evidences my own spiritual immaturity in some ways. But um, I, when I am triggered with 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 what you just said, the the political and emotional polarity that is in the world. Uh, And when that happens and my anxiety goes up, it'll go up to a point where I'm sort of forced on my knees. And and I mean that fairly literally because what I have found in my life at that moment is without even knowing it and it being insidious in the sense that it's step by step by step where I don't see it on a day-to-day basis, I have disconnected with a personal um, unit of consciousness mm-hmm. with God. Now, now this is tricky because in my life, my own spiritual journey has brought me to a certain kind of enjoyment of unit of consciousness that's always there. Like, I never see myself as apart from God or of God, and I see everything that's happening as being belonging inside of God. And God is, his spirit is infused in everything and, and creating really what's happening too. You know, it's, but uh, I never feel outside of God. So there's an absolute conceptual and even heart knowledge that I'm one with God. And at the same time, when I myself, as little Doug, uh, that inside my false self, my egoic self, which I didn't even know I was, and I was thinking I might have been in my true self, you know. Uh, I start getting stuck in the anxiety and all of this stuff, the anger and anxiety which leads me personally because of my own mental um, patterns into a kind of depression uh, and loss of identity and perspective and all of which comes with that. I realize that I have actually not been building the muscle or flex- or exercising the muscle of personal connection with my understanding of a personal divinity. And when I can connect heart to heart, it, it it's it's like a new day, the dawning, I, golden dew, and I this is how I see it. I mean I I, I effectively see with my heart eyes that as real as that I'm seeing you is, is a golden dew just comes and just gives me an energy wash. Just washes it all away. And I see two seconds before, which was a world scattered in the energies of chaos, just yellows, and blacks, and brown uh, you know, shadows, and group, just boom, colliding and fighting. It's all pristine and beautiful and held, and there's perspective, and it's like I'm I'm excited to be here. But it's because the connection. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I can really relate to a lot of aspects of that, and I actually consciously before I get to that point, do my clearing where I let the light wash over me. Often, I do it after every counseling session. I do it at the end of the day, after I've had my reflection time as I'm driving home. Like, uh, it happens very regularly, but absolutely, when I I get into trouble when I'm not taking in time to really connect with him every single day and I get lost in the maelstrom. And as an empath, that comes at a huge price. I know there are so many empaths in the world now um, where we can we can feel it viscerally in our bodies. Um, and uh, it's, it's just so important for me. I feel like getting grounded out in nature is one of the top things that I have to do. I could either spend two hours meditating or I can go outside in nature. <laughs> That's what I always joke. Um, For how long? Nature is pretty quick. Yeah, right. I don't have to be out there that long, um, because uh, you know, Source has given us the skills and the tools to be a part of and be grounded at the same time. Because I don't want to see myself as above the oppression. I don't want right. to. I want to see the places in my life where I've become the rescuer or the persecutor. We're talking about the Cartman triangle. Yeah. I want to notice um, what is this teaching me like everything we've talked about so it's just and it's hard to do it all in process and like you're talking about the egoic self I see it is remembering that I'm gonna do all of this perfectly imperfectly
0: say that's less than us again that's good I'm gonna remember this
2: do all of this perfectly imperfectly because <sighs> I'm gonna lash out on accident yeah. or I'm gonna slip up and um, not take a chance to take action where I could have taken action, like and just forgiveness around those things. And if we can forgive ourselves for the ways that we are acting imperfectly uh, amidst the maelstrom, then we can forgive others for acting imperfectly amidst it, and they don't become persecutors anymore. We've we've stepped into empowerment.
0: That's that's well said because I know I as <clears throat> a two on the enneagram my great movement is uh, to help uh, be a loving person in people's lives, to uh, heal, give, that kind of stuff. And I want people to like me. You know, that's one of our shadow sides. Everybody has these, but twos make art forms of it. Excuse me. And so when I do something imperfectly and I can see that my actions or voice or whatever I just said has created, has stopped the flow between me and another person or group. I can feel that this energy of shame washes over me. That again is like a tsunami. My ears get hot, uh, my face gets red, and inside, what I feel in my throat and down down here in my solar plexus, I, I, the words like, like, you know, usually they're cuss words, but <laughs> so, but it's like I hate it, it's self hate. Like that's kind of and. Um, for a long time, that I would stay with that energy way too long until I realized that I, I was free to not. But I don't want to forget the lesson. In other words, I don't want to spiritual bypass myself by just saying, well, I'm going to just push all that down and just say I'm, I'm better. In other words, in, in sort of in the spirit of being a narcissist, <laughs> you don't want to do that. Right. Uh, and so forgiveness is really the key to unlocking that shame.
1: Yeah. It's not, it's not like you
0: won't feel that shame when I mess up but when I can bring in real grounded forgiveness because this is part of being the journey and I can offer my brokenness and my mistakes to somebody else and say it's okay then I I don't have to the intensity of the shame is decreased in duration and intensity is that your, your thoughts? Or, oh absolutely
2: so? and I would say I know um, the um, what is it, Fauci? Is that the the one who releases all the information about you know diseases and everything? He said his top concern in the nation right now is loneliness mm-hmm. for effects on um, health mm-hmm. because our mental, spiritual, physical health are all so deeply connected. And I would say, I think also shame. Mm-hmm. Shame is is the biggest and 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 deepest that I've seen with my clients uh, that just deteriorates your ability to operate in the world. And so self-forgiveness becomes then, uh, you know, the medicine. So because we are going to behave imperfectly, I mean, that's part of our humanness. We can't be an empath and be amidst the storm and be this perfect ship sailing not affected by the wind at all. I mean, that doesn't make sense. So... Mm -hmm. You know, we have to notice where we've stepped out of alignment with ourselves. Do our best to course correct and continue to move forward. And uh, I think that's the most important thing in this whole process.
0: As we wind up this discussion, I just want to share one thing too that um, I do, and I want to run this by you and see what your thoughts are. Uh, <clears throat> I. Deeply know what loneliness feels like. I've been lonely as, as long as I remember. I mean, I remember uh, even in first grade was when I first had my U- first UFO experience, actually. Um, because at that particular time, I'll never forget, I was six, to seven, six or seven years old. Uh, I was some weird way in a season very devoted to all things UFOs, and aliens and things like that supernatural and beings and reincarnation i mean i was seven years old i'm looking through rifling through books and just
1: well
2: that's a sign of something (laughs) i I know it's
0: a great delusion (laughs) so i was really into that and um but i also had a ufo experience in the country at that particular time that did, did some healing work for me um at the same time in a year later in second grade, I remember feeling such intense loneliness. I remember saying out loud, I don't think I can do my mission. And that's as a second grader having some sense of mission, but that it was too much, like the, long, the disconnect, the loneliness was too much. Um, I've always felt the background of this loneliness. I've never not felt it. Uh, but I've grown to have a certain um, holiness around that I've I've given loneliness its, its temple, its altar and, and temple inside me, because for me, that is the, um, if you will, the black, the void in which that I'm going to hold it sacred, because that's where the divine comes and kisses, you know, that's where this sort of consummation that happens, where it's uh, the beloved and the lover, that kind of thing, the divine way inside. And it's, some have said it's called a God-sized hole in you, because only God can fill it. But um, it's a pithy statement, but it's true for me. Um, too much loneliness is absolutely detrimental, mm-hmm. and so there's a certain kind of level of loneliness that I cultivate—not cultivate, cultivate um, honor—and then also know when there's too much. There's some things that I can do inside me that I haven't even realized that I've cut myself off by just by not being human, because I'm here to be human, you right. know, to be fully incarnated and. In, to, to enjoy friendships and reaching out and taking that vulnerability and calling people and having human human conversation connection. Um, when I'm overly lonely, I haven't done that. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe I haven't connected well with my wife or something like that, or my kids. But loneliness is important for me in some ways. Um, but when I feel lonely that's too much, or anxiety or depression or, or some kind of emotion that's too much, what I have found that helps me really reduce the intensity uh, and the duration of it is an act of service. Now, you mentioned you touched on that. And even now, I think in the psychological literature, there's been a lot of studies on the efficaciousness of prescribing service in counseling.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: That, that actually
1: mm-hmm.
0: part of the, the prescription I'm giving somebody is find a volunteer where you give somebody, do something for somebody or something free and you don't expect anything. Like Actually, as a part of their their getting better. But one act of service that I do, um, and it's been really, really helpful for me, is I will fully feel the pain that I'm in right now. I'm not running away with it. And then I actually offer it up. It's almost like an offering And the word sacrifice means to make holy. Sacra is holy and vice is Latin for to make. So to make holy this pain that I am through offering it up in solidarity with everyone or anyone in the world right now that I don't know who is feeling this feeling of anxiety or pain or desperation or or something, whatever it is, and simply say in my intention, I see you, I'm in solidarity with you, and I wish you wellness, peace, happiness and love so you can bear this burden and you're not alone. And when I do that, I feel a connection because love counts, you know, intentions count, love wins. And when I do that, I feel it's not like that the pain goes away uh, in, immediately but that it's an, it's 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 sort of like it becomes a fragrance of connectedness my ticket to being in the human race and when i can embrace it that way that we're all doing this together and i can offer my love to somebody because i know what it feels like that's when i start to feel the release and i can get back into the present so that's just something that i do yeah
2: very I love Kristen, Neff and oh yeah, yeah, it's so good with acknowledging the different steps to self-compassion. It reminds me uh, of that, that you've added in the act of service, which is really cool. But I think, and I think of emotions as waves that ride at the crust where we think we can't handle it any longer. That's when it breaks and it actually dissipates and it is relieved from our system. Um, yeah, and a lot can be said for doing acts of service for others, but I know some people. Who have a spiritual calling can overdo that.
0: Yes, boy, that's the truth. <laughs>
2: so the balance, right? The balance. balance. And really tuning into yourself and identifying, you know, what would feel in alignment with me, not letting your current emotions dictate everything, but what would feel in alignment with me, both with my emotions as a compass and my underlying core beliefs and getting them all on board together.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. This was fantastic.
2: Yes, thank you. It was fun.
0: I appreciate it. Um, Deep stuff. So I'm going to close this out with um, kind of a closing benediction in a sense. I take a couple of deep breaths here. Just want to offer up all of our conversation, our energy that we exchanged and created a new, energetic. I want to offer this up in a loving gesture to the infinite Creator who gave us our vocations. To complete this loop, the gifts we you give us, we offer back to you. And in anybody who receives these words, if they are helped or in some ways it helps them relieve whatever burden they're carrying or gives them hope or faith or solidarity of being walked with, then we are indeed very grateful. We thank you again for this opportunity. Bless Brandy and her vocation as a wife and mother and friend, daughter, and channel of love and light divine for her clients. Bless me as a husband, father to my three kids, son and friend, and channel of love and light to my coins and we ask for the highest and best good for the two of us for all of those who are listening and for those in the whole world
1: amen amen